Hi, everyone. I wanted to give you a quick update on Contributor. We are now 70 episodes in. We publish almost every two weeks, and we have now a great group of open source founders and some of the fans of those projects. And I need a community manager. If you want to help us out to inspire and organize this group of folks, look up our email on contributor.fyi. We just need the truth. If it's half as fast, fine. It means that if you just use a computer that's twice as fast, you can achieve the same thing as the other guys, but you don't have to leave Postgres. This is Contributor, a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them. I'm Eric Anderson. Today we're talking about Tembo with Rye Walker. I feel like Rye is an old friend. We've been talking for years now about open source and companies all along the way. Rye, thanks for chatting today. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to talk. I feel like today's going to be all, all about Postgres, but ostensibly the project will be Tempo or Tempo Stacks. Maybe you could quickly, Rye, tell us what Tempo or, or Tempo Stacks is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really, this is all coming out of the meme of, hey, use Postgres for everything, right? Which we've seen in recent years as there's some great extensions on it that stretch it in different ways. And it's been stretched in all directions now. It's like, what is Postgres? What can it do? Um, most people still just use it. I'd say 99% of users use it as a transactional store. And 99% of users don't really use fun extensions, you know? So I think that that's, it's interesting that like, it's got all these capabilities, but most people don't use them. And, and part of the reason I think that is, is because the commercialization of those um, stretches are immature still. You know, a lot of it's just straight up open source, uh, which is it's pretty hard to, you know, get people to pay attention to your project, especially in the number of millions, you know, if you're just a, if it's a side project. But we just saw it as an opportunity. Like last year, I opened my eyes, like I took the, I forget what the matrix thing, the the, the, the pill that lets you see everything. You know, yeah. I, took the, I took that one, I think it's the red pill, and uh, realized like what's been going on in Postgres. And I was like, I've been using it since I can remember. It's like I grew up on Postgres and yet I didn't really know it. So I have to imagine there's, most developers are in the same boat. So Tembo is this Postgres platform. You run Postgres for people. But you also offer them a bunch of extensions um, that are easily available. And Tembo Stacks is an open source project that allows you to do a lot of this. Yeah, Tembo Stacks is the data plane. We're building a managed service. The table stakes for building a managed service in 2023, 2024 soon is incredibly challenging, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever tried it, Eric, but like, you know, you have to have IPO whitelisting, you have to have auto scaling, you have to have, um, there's probably literally a hundred things that they, people want our back, you know, they want fine, fine control. So, um, there's a hundred table stakes features we have to build and we're building a managed service and I wish we could do BYOC and bring your own cloud like already, but that's like down the list of features. So. It basically, we wanted to give people an outlet if they like what we're doing, but can't use our admittedly shitty cloud service, you know, in, in the first few months, a way to use it, a way to access what everything we're building. Um, well, not everything. Our UI is in our control plane, which is not open source. But yeah, I mean, basically the, the guts of spinning up a, a Tembo stack is, is if, if you use Kubernetes, you can use Tembo stacks to spin up our backend solution. So. 
Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It does. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where we take it from here because not everyone who's listening has swallowed the red pill yet, yeah, they Ryan. We, we have to like bring them up to speed. So Postgres has all these, it's much more than a database. It has all the extensions. Like what, what can you do? Open our eyes. I mean, well, I mean, you know, machine learning is hot. Uh, vector databases are hot. You know, you, you as an investor, you've probably already invested in three or four of those. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but a lot of AI companies, I actually think the bar for building a product now in 2023 is you need a transactional database. You, you need to provide some sort of charts to your users, which means you have to have some sort of analytics stack, you know, and a data pipeline to create aggregations off that data that you're collecting. You need to probably have a message queue of some sort, you know, keep just, you know, you want to basically take an order, but tell the user, okay, we got it. And then process For some it. long running processes, yeah. download capability, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But I think like, um, you know, having an ML algorithm inside your product is like absolutely mandatory now. Um, it's come, it's actually like negligent not to in some ways, you know, like basically wherever there's analytics, there's data and wherever there's data, you can build an ML algorithm instead of just a simple chart. So, you know, I was working on OSS rank last year. I think we talked about it. OSS ranks just like a website that I was building personally using Ruby on rails. And I was doing a ton of data crunching and I was like, ah, do I need to go spin up snowflake? Like I'm running these queries that are beating the shit out of the database, like every hour and it affects the front end user experience, but solo developer. You know, it's like, eh, then I have to build a data pipeline. And, you know, like that's actually when my eyes open to Postgres because I'm like, wait, isn't there something like someone's done like columnar inside of Postgres? I think you can have a columnar table instead of a row based table inside of Postgres. And then I, I started researching that and I realized, you know, it was built by Citus and then it was forked by X and then it was forked by Y and it's like unusable. Like, you know, basically when something exists, but it's been forked three times and you're not sure what the right fork is just as a developer you walk away from that you know so like we want to pick a winner for what the <laughs> the, the right yeah. columnar is for everybody and build it in and just make it a switch you know so tembo basically gives you single click installation of these extensions and single click enabling of the extension so it's sort of a two-step process so it's, you could say it's two two clicks to install and enable but we've basically bottled up all the technical complexity of this the other thing that happened is you could now build Postgres extensions in Rust, you know, and Rust is like the most beloved language, I think. And now pairing it up with the most beloved database to me means Cambrian explosion of extensions, you know. So I think the situation is going to get far, quote, worse, you know, before it gets better. And so I was like, who's going to commercialize this giant pile of things? And I looked around at the uh, existing players and no one seemed to have that strategy kind of a suicide mission because it's a support support nightmare but i'm like okay well let's do that then you know the hard yeah. things you, know, you want to do the hard things so we're building yeah. a, a company that we know that there's like clouds ahead but users will get value so with postgres i can have an app db which is kind of what everyone's using it for but i can also have this analytical olap style database a cloud data warehouse if you will um, postgres style um, I can also have, you mentioned kind of a vector database we're familiar with. Say I, I want the basic, or not the basic, but the kind of full-fledged app we discussed. Do I have one database that does all the things, or do I have several Postgres's that are each specialized? 
So that's the challenge is like you could try to lump them all together, but that's a no-no because you don't want analytical workloads getting in the way of transactional workloads. So what we would really want is a way to have them work together, but in isolation, you know, like feel like they're together, but the compute is separated. So it's been done like what Citus did, Citus basically built a sharded Postgres system that has a facade at the front that delegates all the queries to an array of backend Postgres's, right? And then if you run a query that hits them all, it'll actually aggregate across all those and return it. So my thought is like, let's build a similar facade, but what's behind it, they're not like all shards of the same database. They could have entirely different configurations, you know, like a message queue has a different configuration, best case configuration than transactional or than OLAP does. So yeah. Um, even the hardware shooter could be different behind each of these use cases. So yeah, our, our vision eventually is that you just start, uh, I mean, ideally it would be, it'd be like how Google Alloy DB and <clears throat> Aurora work, you know, that where you just run queries and you don't have to think too much about it, but in the short term, you do have to think a little bit, but we're, you know, we're making it really easy for you to spin up each of these stacks, you know, and you have control over the resources, but yeah, over time we want it to just feel as if and we want Postgres to achieve this, where it just feels as if it's, it's got like specialized workers, you know, for the different uses. I mean, that that is the ultimate vision. That's what the cloud database should offer us. Is that I don't I don't know what kind of complexity is happening behind the scenes. I get a single API, and you know, it's like GPT four, where it's like who knows how many models are back there, but what kind of magic's happening? That's right. I think we all want that, but I think you know, ideally, I, we don't want that as a proprietary product either. No, no. And we, and we probably also want the, I want to have control over my infrastructure and know how this thing is working option as well. And, and so that's where you're starting. Yeah, and I'm a big open source person. I'm a big fan of it, you know, but like that's the challenge, like chat GPT 3, 5, 4 come out and then boom, suddenly it's like llama, 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 you know, like I would not think to build anything on OpenAI just because they could change their pricing at any time. You know, all the, all the reasons we don't love being locked into a vendor. So looking at the history of Postgres, there have been, there have been attempts to do true open core company. And a lot of those attempts get thwarted later on by executives who want to harvest instead of grow, you know, the open source projects that they're working on. So for example, like Multimaster in Postgres doesn't exist uh, in any open source fashion. It has in the past, but then it's been taken away. You know, those projects get canceled because they're so strategically important to a given company. And, and to me, as soon as you do that, you've doomed your company to be in that proprietary category. And um, so I don't know. I just think that if we do a pure play, open core, keep me in charge forever, you know, so that we don't make any stupid executive decisions later on to to shoot ourselves in the foot by changing the license. Um, then we could we could build something great. This community and the traction of Postgres is literally like unbelievable. But there are 100 competitors that we're going up against. So that's the <laughs> that's the con, right? Well, yeah. So right, let's also fork the conversation real quick and talk about extensions. Mm-hmm. They, what are these things exactly? And they're all over the internet. And <laughs> yeah. And, and tell us about Trunk and, yeah. and how yeah. you can kind of bring some sanity to the world of extensions. Yeah. So I mean, one of the value props we want to offer our users is will allow you to use any extension, even a custom extension that you've just written or that you're working on, right? You should be able to run that in the cloud. You can run code under development everywhere in in the cloud, right? But not in Postgres, you know? In Postgres, if you're working on an extension, you're stuck to local dev, 
there's nobody who's letting you run their stuff up in the cloud, you know, um, sharing it with team members, et cetera, et cetera. Because most managed Postgres are kind of like, here's our version stack and you're just, that's it. Yeah, here are the 75 we allow. They're all tried and tested. Um, you know, basically enough customers complained that they added those, but not enough customers. So we just want to basically support any extension, all extensions, including your own private extensions. And so for that, you know, we're like, okay, we want to have like a universal installer for Postgres. And we're doing this for Ubuntu. Ubuntu and Postgres 15, you know, we have to start small. Um, but we've got 150 extensions that work really, really well, like are validated as working. And there's about 50 that we thought were working, but aren't, you know, so we've kind of like, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, most of the our competitors have like 75 or so. We've got 150 um, and we're just basically just dealing with we're just wrapping inside of our CLI all the the BS that goes into installing an extension, at least on Ubuntu. Um, on our architecture too. Like there's actually we're learning all kinds of stuff. Like, oh actually you can build if you build it for this architecture and try to run it on that architecture, it fails, you know. So so there's a lot of a lot of places where like someone's instructions you know, if a developer just kind of wrote out, hey, here's how to install this, you know, like it is never complete, you know, because they didn't <laughs> take into consideration your operating system, you know, or not all the operating systems. So we want to have a matrix of all the operating systems, all the um, Postgres versions, and we're going to have these tests running all the time, just confirming that they work or that they still work. And so that's what Trunk is. It's also like a place to discover extensions, though. It's very basic to start with. We got the basics up and running, and it's just basically serving our product mostly right now. Got it. So I can use Trunk as like a, an online registry, go discover extensions, but I can also develop my own extensions. Yeah, you can publish them with Trunk. You can you can build them and you can install them. You know, so it's got a CLI behind the scene, similar to like npm. You know, like npm install. We want that kind of experience for. Postgres. Like, I don't know everything that happens inside of NPM install, but I imagine there's some, sometimes some hard stuff's happening inside that command. But luckily as a developer, I don't have to worry about it. There's a squad in the world who's doing that. So, yeah. Um, and so I, I'm sure some people are, are hearing this and thinking, is Postgres VectorDB as good as another VectorDB? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I want to discover the truth, just like every other developer. I am a developer. I'm like chief developer of the company, more so than chief executive officer, because I'm not, I'll never be a great executive, but I, I am a, a long time developer. And so I want to know too. I want to know, I want to, I mean, I still want to know, to be honest with you, I still want to know how to get that, that um, column or table. <laughs> uh, I want to know how to do that. I won't, like, I, we don't even have a guide yet. Okay. Oh, okay. So you're a developer and you want to have like one table be columnar. Here's the guide, right? We're still working yeah. on that. It's just that it's that hard to do all this stuff. You know, we're working on five stacks and then we want to basically compare them to what I call North Star competitors. So like, how does this columnar solution in Postgres compare to Snowflake or ClickHouse, you know? Same thing on on the PG Vector stuff. How does it compare to Pinecone or or um, you know the various startups there? Um, and we just need the truth. If it's half as fast, fine. It means that if you just use a computer that's twice as fast, you can achieve the same thing as the other guys, but you don't have to leave Postgres. So that's the exciting discovery for me. As long as, long as it works. And if it's about half as fast, it means I would prefer to keep it in Postgres rather than buy another vendor. As we all know, like buying a vendor, 
it can be pretty nice in the early days of a startup, but every year after that, it gets worse and worse as they start hiring, you know, the sales bros and they start coming at you to expand and, and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just think like most devs, most CTOs would prefer less modern data stack vendors if they can get there, especially one that kind of has a full philosophical agreement with their developers, you know? I feel like that's what Heroku was, man. Like Heroku was so in my tribe, you know? And like, I just, I never had to talk to anybody. All their decisions seemed on, on point, you know, it was clearly run by devs. And then we want to do the same thing here. You've gone into the deep end on these extensions, even built a few of your own, is, is that right? I personally haven't, but I've, uh, yeah, our team has written a couple, uh, maybe three or four now. Yeah, one is PGMQ, which is like the heart of our messaging stack. So we're like, hey, let's build a let's build out a Redis competitor using Postgres. And the reality is like, what Redis does is to me a subset of what Postgres does. It's like a very specific narrow database, you know, that's hyper optimized for its workload. And so we we set out to do a similar thing using just Postgres and configuration. And we've got some benchmarks coming out for that in the next few weeks. Um, actually, I don't know the results of the benchmarks yet, but like we want to just tell the truth. There's like no benefit to lie here. Cause I, like I said, even if it's not as fast, at least everyone will know. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to be the fastest as far as I'm concerned. Like I just did a post on LinkedIn uh, t- today about this uh, Leatherman, you know, multi-tool and like it, it has the scissors in it and I use those scissors so much more than any, they're not the best scissors, but they are, they're right here, you know? So I just think like, give me a tool that can handle the start of something and we can always go to, to a big vendor later if scale's a problem. I don't think it will be. Being that Postgres can do all these things, Postgres starts to feel less like an application database management system and more like some kind of platform general purpose computing tool. Like what is Postgres to you now? If we had the proper vision of what this like horizontal broad general purpose thing is, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, I think data platform is a pretty good word for it. You could call it database platform because it is definitely database centric. But um, yeah, I mean, you can run you can run Python scripts, you can run Rust scripts, you can run even Java code, like you can run a ton of stuff inside of your Postgres running container too through these extensions. So again, a lot of these extensions aren't available on you know your favorite cloud. Uh, they are available on Tembo. We have to write some guides on like, what the hell can you do with all this stuff? I mean, we have even, I mean, okay, now let's talk about sidecars. All right, yeah, this is a, this is a big part of my vision too. So I'm like, all right, I'm using Rails to build this little OSS rank, and now I've got these scripts that I'm running in Modal. Do you know Modal, by the way? Modal.com, yeah. Eric, Eric Bernhardson, yeah. great service. Modal S, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so those guys crush. And I'm writing these Python scripts um, you know, that run on Modal for OSS rank, and I need to create a new database. you know. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna go over into my Rails app to generate a migration to create a new table so that my Python app can use it, right? And that seemed weird. like. I'm like, why shouldn't the database be in charge of migrations, not a, 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 an app framework? So I actually think part of this thing is like, we want to have like the equivalent of Rails migrations inside of Tembo. Um, we want it'll all be open source, of course. And um, I just think like the database is the center now. It's not the app. It used to be on Heroku, apps have sidecar databases. And I, the way I'm seeing it now is that the databases should have sidecar apps. So that's that's a feature we're working on right now is the idea that you can run a sidecar process next to your database, whether it's, um, you know, like PG Analyze is like a little tool that you can use to analyze the performance of Postgres. Um, 
you know, there's this thing called PG timetable, you know, which is like a, essentially a, you can run a DAG of work neck, you know, controlled by Postgres, but it does require a sidecar, you know, to run. So, so we're going to add sidecars. Once we add sidecars, like, man, like this thing could do, it could actually be an app hosting platform too, you know, cause I think again, like the database is the heart apps are appendages and that's exciting too. So I think, I think like we could, I mean, my thought is like, let's say you're building a database. Okay. And, uh, you got a little app where you're doing your migrations and you need a couple of DBT jobs to also be running, you know, on a cron, like just, we'll have like a DBT folder. You just drop them in there and we'll run them. You know, you don't have to think about it. So in that case, now it's doing definitely more than just database. I think it should be data pipelines. But the cool thing is like if all these databases are literally, they're sitting back to back against each other, there's no latency. Like we're, we're doing it now. Like I have this, you can use something called the Postgres foreign data wrapper or Postgres FDW to query another table in another database. And if they're sitting right next to you, there's literally no latency. And, uh, you know, this is, we're doing all this now for our own internal data warehouse and stuff, but I don't know. It's, it's like, it's kind of cool that we're able to build something I think that is very new and modern with something that is very old. And uh, again, well, has a lot, I mean, most of the code in there is probably new, you know, as, as you know, open source projects like code churn happens and, you know, really, well, it might be a 26 year old project that's probably pretty damn hard to find any code that's lived that long inside the project you know yeah. so it does feel a little bit back to the future like uh yeah it's like the new um spacex rockets kind of look like the saturn five but like <laughs> yeah. forget the shuttle we're going back to just rockets but now they are reusable or something yeah we're like a mainframe computing you know like yeah i'm basically yeah. saying like put all your data like in one spot and all your applications right there too and I just think there's a lot of efficiency to that. And um, I, that's what I want as, as a developer. I don't love this new modern data stack where my data is smeared all across the internet and it's just really, really hard to access it. You know, like you've got to build pipelines and buy vendors to get your data back and that sucks. So Your point on the database being the center, I actually had a guy, a venture investor from Goldman ask, we were talking infrastructure and databases and he was like, what, do we really, are, are there too many database companies? I mean, do we need another database? And I was like, well, if you, if you realize that databases now are much more than just databases, they're like application platforms. And they, they basically, with the cloud, they represent all of compute. In that sense, the market size for databases, is the market size of AWS, and it's huge. Yeah, yeah, including the compute is what you're saying. Yeah, I agree. Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the same thing. Like Snowflake's trying to get you to bring your compute. You know, they have all these extra things. They're trying to get you to run your workloads there because that's how they make money. But I just think like, I really want to protect Postgres from Snowflake. That's part of my mission. I talk about Snowflake a lot on LinkedIn because they want to use Unistore or whatever they call it to be transactional now. And they're proprietary, you know? So I just think like, I definitely don't want to see a reversion to, I don't think there's any chance it'll happen, but... I just think a, a competitor to them needs to emerge that is trying to play the same playbook as them, but using open core instead of proprietary. So that's, I mean, that's a big, big enemy to take on. Our other competitors are like AWS, RDS, you know, like that's a huge company, but you know, I, I just think like, especially like RDS, like th there's not a very big, you know, motivated team innovating at RDS, you know, they're, they're working on Aurora or, or whatever. So I just think like on the open source side of things, there's some great new companies too. I mean, again, I got competition in like 360 degrees, but I think our strategy is different than the other new guys. And it's, 
and it's hopefully powerful against the the old guys but we shall see you know <laughs> why do you do this like what what compels you to go on this as you called it suicide mission yeah uh well i i you know i also call it like you know the startup mount everest um why do people climb mount everest you know like seems dangerous seems uh scary and that's, that, that's one of the reasons they're doing it i think that's one of the reasons i'm doing this too is once I realized that there's this dangerous path up to the top of Mount Everest, you know, someone figured that out at one point and they're like, we got to go, we got to try it, you know? And, and so I just think it's like, as you know, I had a, I had a good um, outcome with, with my previous company. I was able to sell shares in secondary and, and basically have, you know, I was just reading on Twitter today. Someone was like, how much money is the right amount to be just done whatever. And, and I got that amount of money, but, um, uh, then what, you know, like I, I could go golf, you know, but no, I, I want to take what we did at astronomer and, and, and ratchet it up a few notches. Cause I'm still, you know, I just turned 50, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of years left of working in my, you know, I, and it's fun. It's like, um, building startups. Um, I could have just become an investor, you know, angel investor or whatever, but it's not direct enough. You know, I was just, I just found myself like, with the itch to build and kind of fortunately and unfortunately for me, Ethan Petrosky from uh, Venrock came knocking on my door and had a similar vision. And, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, I'll give you a, I'll, I'll give you 5 million bucks to, to, go, to go try to climb the, the mountain. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, no, that's pretty tempting as a founder. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like a napkin sketch idea and you got money, you know, promised. I'm like, ah, Let's see. That means my fake net worth goes up to what, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, so yeah, it was, I was tempted by the commercial opportunity and yeah, it's a, it's a tough battle, man. Like it's going to be really hard to, to win customers because there's so many companies already out there and, and most of our users, potential users haven't taken the red pill yet. That's the problem too, you know? So they're just yeah. like, yeah, how can we wake them up and get them? But it, again, like product quality, is a big part of that you know um they'll wake up once the product is good enough to wake them up now let's say you've got some people kind of semi-converted through this conversation and now we'll shift and they kind of call to action how can they explore the new world of what you're doing well right now we have no pricing uh we're working on that so if you just sign up at, at uh, cloud.tembo.io you get free postgres so that's pretty nice but uh, you know, we're trying to we're going to try to price it um, lower than R RDS, which is challenging, but I think it has to be that way. We've got a lot of functionality already. We're missing a lot still. I, I can share if you sign up, I'll share with you my roadmap. You know, I'm, I'm being very open. You know, what's what's the term like an open company? You know, I just I just think like, I don't know, I could try to hide my roadmap from everybody. But like the only people that really care about it are my customers, you know, like my competitors. Yeah, you're building in public. Yeah, yeah, building a public. There you go. Yes. So, not officially, but unofficially, yes. Um, not fully public yet, but it's it's very easy to get the roadmap from me and you know and, and help influence it. These folks who have built extensions or or want or are like now kind of curious, like I, I could build that. I didn't know you could build Redis out of you know what, what else can I build? Inspire somebody here to go build some wild extension. For yeah. Us. Okay. I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I hired a, a, a co-op, a, a second year student at University of Cincinnati named Jay. Uh, he started a couple of weeks ago, and I'm starting our data warehouse project inside of Tembo. Like I need to build internal, you know, metrics and billing and all this stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. so I'm like, we're using Clerk for, for auth, which I'm, again, I'm sure you're familiar with Clerk, yep. uh, great product. So I need their data, you know, into my data warehouse. 
So um, you could try to write a little Python script to pull it. That's easy enough. But we actually built a foreign data wrapper for Clerk. Uh, he did this in, in literally one week so that you could just say select, you know, essentially star from Clerk users. And it just returns a table just like it would if it was a database. But it's actually using Rust and calling their API and, and prepping all that data and packaging it up and, and so on. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So so these foreign data wrappers can be for any system. So I think right off the top, like if you have an API and there's not a foreign data wrapper for it for Postgres, send me a note and uh, I'll, yeah, I'll show you. Yeah, I what actually do. wanted to SQL <laughs> query an API recently. And, yeah. I, and I was like, I don't, can that be done? How is that yeah. done? Yeah. So Superbase, okay. Superbase released a, an SDK for this called Superbase Wrappers, and we're utilizing that. Uh, so shout out to Superbase for open sourcing it permissively. Um, and we built Clerk FDW. Um, like I said, uh, very, very young developer, did it in no time. And uh, uh, I just think like that's a, that's a great opportunity right there. So, I mean, basically any, you know, you have all these like data ingestion tools, there's thousands of connectors that exist in some of these tools, you know? So, you know, there, there's definitely a couple hundred uh, important um, uh, FDWs that we could create. And, and that would just makes, again, makes Postgres more valuable. So, you know, I just, I'll go hit that table. I, I do an insert into, you know, a local cache of that and put that on a little cron and we can, there's something called temporal tables extension in Postgres where you install this extension and it automatically creates a history of changes to each row, you know? So there's some really cool stuff that like most of us are doing very manually um, in our data pipelines that these Postgres extensions. So we're, again, we're gonna build all these guides out. We're gonna try to help we're probably going to build a little Postgres Academy, you know, of sorts. Um, just so like, uh, you know, people who want to learn this stuff and use it um, have an easier path than than their predecessors, you know. <laughs> I can imagine Postgres people wanting to hang out around Tembo and and talk about how to do these things. You know, the, the red pillars. Do, is there a place where they can live and hang out? Yeah, we have a Slack community. It's starting to fill up. I, I would just say it's interesting because like the core team in Postgres, they have a really hard job, man. Like maintaining this core engine that has all this extensibility is is just so hard. So like I, I basically love that our core team in Postgres is that they're all facing inward and they really don't have much time to to talk to anyone other than themselves, you know, and you know, evaluating ideas that are coming in and, and, and committing them. But there's this need to have a community, the next ring around that. So um, we've got a couple of other ideas that I'll maybe I'll you know share later on, but um, I think that building this community is is a really um, important part of it, and not just around a, a specific vendor, but around the the concept of of Postgres as a database platform or whatever we want to call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super, Ryan. This has been fascinating. I'm so glad you're doing this. I mean, I, I just you know, regardless of whether you summit, like you're gonna leave a like a whole new way of getting work done uh, in your wake. And that's why I thought, you know, okay, you know, you had a nice exit, you could just give away money, you know, but to me, like, this is a better use of my time that it, that we're going to even, yeah, even if we never win a single customer, we're going to leave a trail of, of Postgres improvement, uh, hopefully behind us. And, uh, and that's good for the world. Again, it's, it's not quite the same feeling as, you know, uh, you know, serving homeless people food or, you know, like that kind of stuff. But this is, I have the privilege of trying to build a company and doing good for a community all wrapped into one, something I love to do. So work doesn't feel like work and it's a, it's, it's a good fit for me. So yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. Thanks. Thanks man. See ya. <laughs>
You can subscribe to the podcast and check out our community Slack and newsletter at contributor.fyi. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been Contributor. Contributor.